Hello, folks, and welcome to another edition of Weber's Whipping Post, coming to you from Cave Creek, Arizona. I'm Weber, and I'm delighted you have tuned in to listen to my podcast. If you have questions or a different opinion, you can reach me at PackerBacker1957 at yahoo.com or my website at www.weberswhippingpost.com. I'd love to hear from you. Hey, this episode is brought to you by Brandon and Jeff Chero at Court Street Ford, now celebrating their 40th year serving Kankakee County. Whether you're buying a new Ford, a pre-owned vehicle, or needing your vehicle service, the good folks at Court Street Ford are committed to making this your place to go for your vehicle needs. Open 9 to 7, Monday through Friday, and Saturday from 9 to 5. Stop by their showroom in Bourbon, Illinois, or look them up online at www.courtstreetford.com. Order the Ford of your dreams today. I'm shaking things up on my podcast, which, by the way, is the 18th episode. Instead of bringing my latest commentary to you first, I am moving it to the end of the program so I can bring you all the shots from the old sock first, just in case you had already read my commentary. Hope you like the change. All this talk about raising the debt ceiling and budget negotiations to keep the government in business is all just smoke and mirrors, again. Regardless of what any politician says, there is no way those bastards will go without a paycheck. McCarthy and Biden can strut their stuff all they want, pound their chest, but in the end, they'll just kick the can down the road again like they usually do. Don't lose any sleep over it, folks. Well, the noose might be tightening on bonehead Biden and his corrupt family, starring number two son, Hunter, a House Oversight and Accountability Committee, an oxymoron if there ever was, claims the Biden crime syndicate created more than 20 companies and received more than $10 million, including influence peddling, from foreign companies while Bonehead was the vice president. I still have to wonder if Obama knew this, but that's a rant for another day. Four banks have been subpoenaed, which resulted in thousands of records. That's serious stuff, folks. The companies were formed in Delaware and Washington, D.C. with Hunter's partners Rob Walker and James Gillier. Have to wonder if the IRS will be notified on these gents, as well as the Biden crime syndicate. Probably not, as Congress can't even get the FBI to give them the evidence they are sitting on. With this report, it was also revealed Bonehead's press secretary, Andrew Bates, was instrumental in diverting attention away from Hunter's laptop, calling it Russian disinformation during the Biden's sham election in 2020. What are they going to do about those other 50 assholes who signed on to the same story? Why are they not all in prison? In a press conference this week, Representative Nancy Mace from South Carolina called on the Department of Injustice to get off their ass and investigate the Biden crime syndicate. Those were her words. Whipping Post seconds that call and has decided to keep a closer eye on Ms. Mace. She might have some potential. By the way, Newsmax is calling the issue quid pro Joe. Yes, I'm still watching Newsmax. You know, I might make light of all this, but in reality, folks, this is a damn travesty of justice. There is a two-tiered system of justice in this country, and it's pathetic. There must be a special place in hell for Biden and his ilk. Right after the Silicon Valley bank collapse, another bank failed. They were named the Signature Bank of New York. Signature is considered the third largest failure in U.S. banking history. 
proving karma can be a bitch. It just so happens Signature was one of the banks who cut ties with Donald Trump after the January 6th rally. Good riddance to Signature. Speaking of Trump, which is hard not to do if one is paying attention to the news, a 79-year-old writer by the name of Gene Carroll was awarded $5 million by a Manhattan jury that found Trump liable for sexually abusing and defaming her in a Bergdorf Goodman fitting room. I got some problems with this whole thing. First, 27 years ago, come on. Trump says he doesn't even know her. At her age, she can't remember what she had for breakfast. Second, they cleared Trump of rape charges, which she also claims. How do you sexually abuse someone but not rape them? Third, a Manhattan jury, seriously? So they put nine, and I don't know why not 12, liberal Democrats on the jury, which is all that would be available in New York, and call that a jury of his peers. If you think you got a fair trial, I have some land in Florida to sell you. This must be the new Democrat ploy to chase him into hell. Throw up bogus charges and then try him in New York. Try that crap in Florida and see what happens. Recall the left-wing actor and nut job Robert De Niro, who wanted to punch Trump in the face? As if he could. Well, at 79 years old, he has fathered a baby. He will be 89 years old when the kid turns 10. What friggin' sense does that make unless you're narcissistic? The mother is Tiffany Chen, who will probably now have to change two diapers on two different people daily. This guy has a 51-year-old daughter and now has a baby. Tucker Carlson, who CNN calls a right-wing extremist, has decided to take his show to Twitter. Surprisingly, Elon Musk, who owns Twitter, was rather cool about the announcement. I say surprisingly because one podcaster, not me, offered Tucker 100 million bucks. Newsmax offered to rename their entire network after him. I'm a little apprehensive about this as I do not know enough about Twitter to understand how I'm going to be able to watch the show. I suppose someone will show me. So long to MTV. I guess enough people weren't watching their MTV. Hint, that's off an old Dire Straits song. After 36 years, they got the axe as part of the larger layoffs at Paramount Global. I stopped watching them after about their first year as they were more commercials than content. Did you see the 92-year-old George Soros bought another company out of bankruptcy? Vice Media will be bought by Soros Fund Management for $400 million. Why the hell is that socialist SOB allowed to buy American companies? Oh darn, Anheuser-Busch is still hemorrhaging customers, down 12.5% in April, while beer consumption overall was up slightly. Bud Light is down 21.4% now. Who's still drinking Bud Light? Coors and Miller Light must be laughing all the way to the bank. Worse, the perverted Dylan Mulvaney, who now might be the poster child for bad business decisions, says he is having trouble sleeping. You know, perverts should have trouble sleeping. Speaking of perverts, the manifesto for Audrey Hale, who shot those three school kids and three adults at the Covenant School, is still being withheld from the public. What don't they want us to know? Evidently, the Tennessee Firearms Association has had to sue the city of Nashville 
to gain access to the diatribe. Now a judge has ordered an unredacted copy so he can review it. When a vet once he has gotten to read it, he decides it can't be released too? Why is he so special? He can see it and we can't. Did the national cops screw something up? There is something in there they just don't want us to know. But the public can know everything about the recent Texas shooter who allegedly was a right-wing conspiracy nut. More of our two-tiered justice system at work. Speaking of Nashville, seems a guest at a Hilton on 4th Avenue was awakened during the middle of the night. The night manager, one David Neal, snuck into the room in order to suck the toes of the guest. He's now charged with aggravated burglary. Wonder if the guest is waiting on Neil to come back. As I was writing this, I see they wheeled California Senator Dianne Feinstein back into the Capitol to finally report to work. I've mentioned her prolonged absence due to shingles in this podcast before. She looked like death warmed over. Is the compulsion to hang on to that seat of power so enticing that one will leave their deathbed just to be there? She could be the poster child for term limits. Hey, this podcast comes to you by the fine folks at George Ryan Jr. Insurance Company. The team at Ryan's Insurance Company is ready to provide you with most any of your insurance needs today. Just call 815-936-0075 to talk to a friendly representative. That's 815-936-0075. Or you can get an online quote at www.grinsure.com. The Democratic Party seems to have lost its bearings and lost its will or even the capacity to think about changing the system. That statement was issued by Robert F. Kennedy Jr. recently in an interview with Greta Van Susteren. Damning words from a member of the Democrat royalty going back a century, a reader to my Whipping Post column recently mentioned his leaning toward Kennedy. Not knowing much about the man beyond interviews on Tucker Carlson, I decided he might be worth investigation. If nothing else, his pedigree would be interesting. Kennedy, 69, is the son of the assassinated former attorney general by the same name. He endures spasmodic dysphonia, which affects the larynx and causes a quavering in his voice. An environmental lawyer, he's won numerous conservational cases and sits on several eco-friendly boards. He's been married three times and has six children. Kennedy is the fourth member of his family to run for president. In the Suster interview, Kennedy was critical of America's increasing censorship. He also blasted America's involvement in wars in Ukraine, Yemen, and Syria, as well as the destruction of the middle class. These would all seem to be impressive, noble causes. Lambasting the Democrat Party's rumored decision not to host any primary debates, his popularity is surging at 19%. By comparison, Biden's approval is tanking at 34%, an all-time low for a sitting president in his first term. A case could be made, however, it's actually Obama's third term instead of Biden's first. Interviewed by Neil Cavuto of Fox News recently, Kennedy said, more than anything, we have to rebuild the American middle class. And part of that is getting away from the warfare economy. The strength of a nation comes from a strong economy and a vibrant middle class. We have wiped out the middle class in this country systematically. He continued, 
we shifted $4 trillion in wealth from the American middle class to this new aristocracy of billionaires. We created 500 new billionaires. The Oxfam report, which came out this week, shows that the billionaires that existed at the beginning of the pandemic, the people like Gates, Zuckerberg, Bezos, Bloomberg, increased wealth by 30% during the pandemic from the lockdowns. And Amazon got to shut down all of its competitors. As honorable as these positions sound, it should also be pointed out he's a staunch advocate against fossil fuels, coal, nuclear power, and even hydropower from dams. He would prefer a transition away from all these sources of power into renewable energy. Kennedy is highly critical of many vaccine programs and serves on boards fighting the medical establishment. Because of these stances, his anti-vaccine activism and disdain for Anthony Fauci, he is viewed as an embarrassment by the Kennedy clan. He's written two books against Fauci. Concerning his political choices, he seems to have been on the wrong side of every recent election. He was a coordinator for his shady Uncle Ted's presidential run. He campaigned for climate hoaxer Al Gore, endorsed both the arrogant John Kerry and the corrupt Hillary Clinton, campaigned for Barack Obama, and claims to be personal friends with the Bidens. I have to wonder why he would admit that. Ironically, in 2006, Kennedy published a piece in Rolling Stone contending the GOP stole the election for Bush and has issued frequent warnings of election hacking, the dangers of voter purges, and voter ID laws. It would appear he was on to something, as many believe voter fraud is still widespread. Interestingly, Kennedy does not believe Sirhan Sirhan killed his father in 1968. I found this to be fascinating. Kennedy states Sirhan fired all eight rounds from his gun, hitting six other people instead. His father was shot four times. An audio recording of the shooting indicates 13 shots were made. Kennedy's clothes contained gun residue from being shot at short range. Eyewitnesses reported a security guard, Thane Caesar, pulling a gun. Police inexplicably destroyed 2,410 photos and removed door frames and ceiling tiles of the crime scene. Kennedy Jr. believes Caesar, who died in Cuba in 2018, killed his father. Kennedy also said his father, Robert Kennedy Sr., was convinced Lee Harvey Oswald did not act alone when assassinated his uncle John, and that the Warren Report was a shoddy piece of craftsmanship. Kennedy Jr. is inclined to believe there was more than one assassin and claims there is evidence the CIA was involved. I wouldn't doubt that. It should be pointed out that Kennedy Jr. was only 14 at the time his father was assassinated. So I have to wonder how candid the old man would have been with his young son. Despite some sharp ideological differences I have with Kennedy, I came away with the opinion he is definitely a viable candidate, one who admirably follows up on his convictions. Moreover, he may be a beacon for snatching the Democratic Party out of the socialistic gutter and back to a level of prominence not seen in this country since they shot his uncle in 1963. Well, for those of you who might be mildly interested, I'm still waiting to hear from an agent or publisher for my next book, Roll Me Away. It's a sequel to my original book, Whipping Post, The Life of an Over-the-Road Truck Driver. Self-publishing is so expensive, but it's looking like that might be the route I might have to take. Any listeners out there that might know a good literary agent, I should be tickled to hear from you. 
With that, my time this week is at an end. So is my time hibernating in Arizona. I'll be coming to you from my office in Bourbon, Illinois next week. Thanks so much for listening, folks. Please tell others about this podcast at www.weberswhippypost.com. Talk to you next week.